Hi, I'm Julia. And I'm Sam. I'm a composer. And I'm an actor. And this is the 29-Hour Podcast. Julia and I both uh, spent a lot of time developing new uh, pieces of theater. We actually met um, developing one of Julia's musicals. And along the way, we've gotten to work with some incredibly talented, super smart artists. We always just want to pick their brains. So this podcast is our conversations with those people that we are excited to share with you. This week, we talked to writer Amina Henry. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, no, I think playwriting in, is really close to poetry, actually. Um, Go in on. my view, <laughs> uh, because for me, uh, like when you think about Shakespeare, um, they didn't really read his plays; they like heard his plays, and he writes in very poetic language. So. Um, I do think that there's something to writing things that are pleasing to the ear as a playwright. Um, so I, I definitely work to do that because I, m- my subject matter is often quite dark. So I like to lighten it by a kind of buoyant language sometimes, if I can, <laughs> if, I can ach- if I can achieve it. Um, and I think like poetry is closest to music, if you will, like in terms of, I don't know, I just think that writing or, or language is so clumsy and kind of uh, heavy in a way, um, unless you're getting into poetry, uh, like you can't make someone feel the same way a song or like a piece of music can make someone just intuitively feel something. Um, and I'm always trying to get closer to that with language, which is so kind of literal that it's hard to create that feeling You're like I don't know why I like it I just do that uh-huh. kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah um, so yeah I think poetry is helpful like reading it and writing it and whatnot that's 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 really interesting I I think a lot I, I mean I tend to work on a lot of shows that are like a lot more naturalistic in style so do you do you think about that as you're thinking about the like poetic language or um no, because I don't really. Ca- I'm not a particularly, like I don't really care about realism. Yeah, I mean, not that I mean not that I great. not that <laughs> like, I don't like plays that are realistic. But in terms of what I'm writing, yeah, um, I'm not trying to write realistic plays. Great. Although I do try to make them kind of emotionally true, if that makes of sense. Of course, like, yeah. Um, but but yeah, like that doesn't matter as much to me to have yeah. it be realistic. Yeah. Um, if I'm writing it. Absolutely. But I, I do like realistic uh, plays. Uh, <laughs> and, I, like? and I love like more experimental plays too. I just don't tend to work on them as often. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be so curious to see you in like a heightened like surreal play. Me too. <laughs> That'd be great. Because um, the other thing I think about with your stuff in terms of you were saying sort of like to cut the darkness is like I, of the stuff of yours that I've read, parts of it are really funny. Which to me that feels different than like the lyricism of it, but just like the humor mm-hmm. access. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's funny because I didn't. It took me a long time to even think that I was funny because I wasn't huh. writing comedies in my view, which, which is maybe why they're so ridiculous and funny. Because in my <laughs> view, they were like so serious. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been like, there. These dramas, and I bring them in, and people would just sort of start chuckling, and I'd be like, I don't. Okay, <laughs> like it's like this heartfelt thing. I mean, now it's fine. Like I'm, I'm kind of at peace with it. But at the beginning, it was really, it was really kind of disturbing to me because I didn't understand it. Um, I didn't understand why people were laughing because um, it came from not a place of me trying to make people laugh. It came from like a really sort of, you know, emo teenage yeah. angsty part of myself, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess my work still comes from that place. <laughs> um, so. But I do think that, yeah, like whatever keeps people in the room and I like sometimes because I'm writing about things that are kind of fucked up sometimes, um, it's fine. I don't like I don't. It's fine if people laugh. Great. <laughs> that is so interesting. So because it's in my head, because it's the thing I most recently heard through page seven writers group is the great novel. The family members of that family, they feel like they must have deliberately be written to be funny. But no, no, no. really. But I don't ever really approach writing plays that way. Um, that is so interesting. I also think it's really hard to be like, I'm going to write something funny, <laughs> like, yeah. and then just yeah. be funny. Um, well, how d- like never... how do you conceptualize like how you go about writing plays? Um, 
I mean, what an existential question I'm that sorry. is. I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, I just become kind of enamored with characters, uh-huh. basically, and uh, sort of. I don't. I don't really know. I just sort of try to find find the play through the characters, uh, and I just have characters talk to each other a bunch. And I mean, I, I actually think it's one of the things that I'm working on is that I could literally have hundred pages of people talking to each other and like nothing's really happening. Uh-huh. They're just sort of talking, but they're not, there's no plot. There's no action. It's just, <laughs> they're just chatting and like, which is my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. Um, yeah, me too. What, did, you know, just, did you see um, Mrs. Murray's Menagerie? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's my, that's my jam. I love that show. Yeah. Did you see Her, that show? No. She it was um, the, um, the mad ones. They did, uh, they also did mouse for Mary. And it's it's just like this this super like hyper naturalistic just like these people having conversations and it never really reaches to any like traditional like dramatic climax but you still like get so much just absorbed from, in their yeah. lives yeah 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 I like that I mean I, I yeah uh, I think we all owe something to Virginia Woolf because I mean <laughs> that's kind of what she does she just kind of in a way, like when you think about Mrs. Dalloway, nothing really happens huh. in that book. <laughs> I mean, things happen, but yeah. not, not a lot. And also, yeah. like, <laughs> there's, there's something there's something about that like hyper hyper naturalistic style that feels a little surreal as you're sitting there watching it. And you're like, oh, I'm I'm. This is what it is to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, because I think people are are deeply boring but actually deeply fascinating at the same time because we're all because we're all people who are trying to figure out what all of our boring stuff means yeah we're all totally boring yeah but but we're so kind of you know into our thing whatever our thing is yeah that's so important and Yeah. yeah so why is that why i'm thinking about whether i agree with the premise that we're all all people are sort of fundamentally boring I guess I do. Well, I, mean, I would at least say that like 99% of all people are fundamentally boring. <laughs> like when you think about, or just like when you think about what we're seeing in the theater versus the way we live our lives. Like yeah. Not like boring in the sense that like we're just like dead inside, but just kind <laughs> of like. Our lives don't have that happens. dramatic structure. Yeah, they don't really. Yeah. Um, it takes a long time for things to build. And if, yeah. if it does build to something, it's sort of mild sometimes yeah. it's exactly the, th- the thing that like <laughs> the thing that in our life is the big climax on stage would be like you know what happens two minutes in you know what i mean it, it isn't the big climax right also i feel like most of us in our own life are disincentivized from taking big risks mm. which yeah. makes our plots less interesting mm. yeah i think that's true um and you know like if you live this life where you just kind of, not that it's about, like you work at a bank and like you make dinner for the kids and you watch Game of Thrones or whatever, like what? (laughs) (laughs) And that's how it thing, and you go grocery shopping and you just do that for like a long time and you're sort of more or less happily married and Mm -hmm. whatever, like, you know, and then maybe something burbles up and then there'll be like a thing um, with your mom or your sibling or, or whatever. But yeah, I feel like most people just kind of keep it moving on us yeah <laughs> so um, then when you're channeling your characters to be like i'm just gonna write you guys talking to each other for hours how do you like where does the interesting part come from um i don't know <laughs> like eventually i'll start um i i actually feel like i approach um a little bit writing plays like creating like a sculpture so I just have this big blob of something and then I just sort of start chipping away at it and figuring out like what it is like what the story should be mm. as I move along um, most of the time I don't even really know how it's gonna end I just kind of keep tinkering with it mm. uh, and then at a certain point I'm like I think maybe it's done um, <laughs> so what so what is that initial like blob I guess like Mm -hmm. is it a character or is it the characters or is it um sometimes it's uh it depends uh it's been a character sometimes it's just like a visual image Mm. um and I sort of write around it like for example with my one of my very first plays um that I wrote called an American family takes a lover I just had this image of like a hole in a wall and I wrote the whole play like 
so that, sorry, sort of put a family kind of de- suddenly dealing with this ho- mysterious hole in mm. the wall, um, and like why there was a hole in a wall, even though we never actually we suspect, but we never quite figure out why there's this hole in the wall. But uh-huh. like that's sort of where the play came from, you just gotcha. the sort of absence. Um, and then, well, also I'd read about a woman who like because I think I had just seen um the night porter or something. So I was like really interested in Stockholm syndrome at the same Mm. time. Oh boy. And, um, I had just seen some show about some woman who was like stuck in like a box or something for like years or something like that. So there were like a few things that kind of were swirling around, uh, in my brain and, and yeah. And so I started that. So usually, um, it's, you know, cause I read a lot. I like to go to art galleries and like, look at art and watch movies and just sort of absorb culture and absorb life. And at, um, and at a certain point I just start doodling. Yeah. Um, and then my doodle will be like a scene <laughs> between two characters that don't have names. And then I'll maybe start to structure a play around these characters or maybe one character. Um, yeah. So cause, cause I wrote this play Hunter, John and Jane, but it was because I was like really obsessed well, part of it was that I was obsessed with this, not dumb show, but this the show um, <laughs> on Investigate TV called Disappeared. Um, and I watched like five seasons of it kind of in a row of like people who went missing. And the okay. whole show is about like the circumstances around their disappearance. And if and then usually most of the time they don't find these people at the end of the episode. It's just like if you hear of anything and it's been like a year to like oh 20 years or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and I remember thinking like, wow, it, uh, it's really dangerous to be like a, like a, like a white girl. Cause like they were all like, cause there weren't very many women, people of color, like in the show. Oh, I um, see. it was like mostly white women, um, and like a few white men and, like, if, I mean, there were some people of color, but for the most part, it was just kind of like a very particular kind of person. Um, so I was like, oh, I would be, you know, th- what is that? Like, why don't we have people of color who are missing being featured on these shows? So I, that was sort of percolating in my mind. Yeah. And then around the same time, um, my my teacher at the time, Mac Wellman, was like, you never write anything happy or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> And I said, well, no, I could do it. I could write something happy. He was like, no, probably you couldn't or something. <laughs> um, so I wrote this scene. Yeah, I, I tried to write a scene with like this couple who were just really happy. Um, oh, it was like super beginning? creepy. Um, did you see Hunter, John and Jane? I've read it, but I haven't seen it. Yes. Yeah, so the f- so the first thing in that play that, that came to me was that couple who were like, I'm so happy with you. I'm happy with you. Too. <laughs> like, that was that. And then I sort of structured the play around that. And like within a couple pages, this like homeless guy kind of interrupts their happiness, um, and I th- and then the play started suddenly started resting on this character, not this super in love happy couple. Uh-huh. Um, so I think yeah, I think usually um, I'm chewing on an idea, chewing yeah. on a question. I'll have like a visual image in mind. A character or two will pop up, and then I'll sort of structure the rape. But like same with uh, the great novel. Um, actually the first scene was, was the sisters. Um, and there wasn't a Bertha. There wasn't like a main oh, character. Um, I just had this like scene in my journal of like these sisters. And then I forget, like, I, I don't even really know how Bertha sort of suddenly started, came into the room and started chatting. And then I was like, Oh, actually I think the play is really about her or whatever. Uh, and at the same time, I'd always wanted to, or I've been trying to figure out a way to write, write about my grandmother. So I put her in the play, <laughs> <laughs> sort of, because she's a ghost character in the play. Okay. I was interested to hear you say the show, I guess American Family Takes a Lover, where you're like, there's a hole in a wall. We don't totally know why we have an idea. I feel like that's something I've noticed in a couple of your things, that there's an element or something we're trying to figure out that doesn't get totally resolved and answered. Is that like... Is that a conscious thing? I don't know if it's a conscious thing, but I don't like endings really. Mm-hmm. So I, I I like a little mystery. I like trying to figure something out. I mean, I don't love it when everything feels like an inside joke, but because I feel like, or no, I don't like it when theater feels so esoteric and inaccessible that you can't enjoy it. 
Um, I also don't like it when you go to see a play and everybody's sort of chuckling in the smug way because it's sort of like, I know the joke, I'm in <laughs> on it. It's mm. so obnoxious. Like, I try to, <laughs> so I try to um, create conversations and have people ask questions, um, but I don't want to like spoon feed them answers. But I also want to give enough information that they're not like, I don't get it, I'm lost. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like leaving. Um, which, I, I don't know, like sometimes that. I don't achieve it but like that's what I that's my goal is to leave enough to figure out do you always in your head have an like what you think in the truth of the play sort of the answer to these questions are no (laughs) I don't which is uh well let me try to think with an American family take a lover takes a lover more or less I know why there's a hole in the wall (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know. Like, I feel like sometimes, like, I can, like, especially with actors, you tell them, and then they just have more questions. So sometimes it's just better to let them figure it out. And whatever works for them in a way, you know? Like, Tim, do you agree with that as an actor? Oh, absolutely. Like, oh, but, but why did he It just happened with, with yeah. you and Gordon uh, uh, with um, Something Blue, mm. where there's sort of, like, this fundamental thing that, that's happening between mm-hmm. the two male mm-hmm. characters that gets, you know... Is, is a really important part of their dynamic that never gets explicitly mm-hmm. stated what it was. And I feel like I spent so much time of that very, very short rehearsal <laughs> process being like, but what is that thing? <laughs> and it probably, it, it, it ended, we ended up like not coming to any sort of conclusion. Yeah. And we probably didn't need to spend all of that time getting to that place. Was it because Gordon and Julia would not tell you what that thing was? Um. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and also the director didn't want to like land on any specific place either. Yeah. Yeah, thinking back on that, I don't even remember exactly why. Like, I don't remember being explicitly like deciding in advance, like, oh well, we can't name the thing. I don't know why we. Didn't you mean in the text or in the <laughs> rehearsal? In the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Like, I I understand why Gordon doesn't want to name it in yeah. the text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But probably whatever you came up with was fine, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, in the course of that, because this was their um, page 73 reading, so we had like 14 hours, hours or yeah. something. And so in the course of that, I, I didn't actually land on any... I, I, I had a, a, a broad idea, but I didn't mm-hmm. come to any like specific whatever. And, you know, in, the, in, the, in that process, that was enough. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I, I recently... Um, I went to LA to like what was supposed to be a vacation, but it actually became more of like a work trip. Uh, and I had a reading of this uh, play that I that this theater commissioned me to write. Um, that I'm currently working on a revision of right now. But uh, so the reading it was like really stressful for me actually because I had I wrote the play like months ago, uh-huh. um, and I hadn't heard it. It had just been in my hard drive so I'm like hearing it for the first time and you know the actors are great and then afterwards one of the actors is like it felt very LA to me but he's like why am I saying these things <laughs> <laughs> like, like I don't get it like why is this happening like why is he being this way like what the f- like he's basically saying like if I were this character I would be acting differently or? I'm I think he was just like I don't get it like I okay. don't understand I mean maybe m- maybe I mean there were two two instances where it was a little bit like why would she say this? This uh-huh. doesn't seem like it fits with her character. Um, this doesn't make sense to me. And for me, like those kinds of things don't bother me because I'm like, I mean, people don't always make sense. Like people are yeah. not consistent. People are weird, whatever. Mm-hmm. Very um, true. <laughs> but he was so kind of annoyed that like, mm. <laughs> that I hadn't sort of spelled it out. And as he was asking, I couldn't really answer. But I'm really interested in like, well, maybe maybe why you're saying it will be revealed after you say it, you know, mm. <laughs> like, or or not. Like, yeah. I don't even know why I say things sometimes. Yeah. So that's that's, <laughs> that's absolutely true. Yeah, I know exactly what um, you mean. But I, I think, think some of it is like you like you gaining the actors trust enough to know that you'll be fine. Like they're not going to make you look stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's scary as an actor in a quick reading like that to, to not feel like, you know, exactly why you're doing everything, but you know, in a, in a like full rehearsal process where you can like, you know, have that in your consciousness the whole time that like people don't always make sense. Like it can be Mm 
you know, it can get easier. But like, I, I a little bit sympathize with that guy. No, I do, <laughs> but, but it's also like, I think, you know, it's a little bit brushing up against styles of theater because mm-hmm. sure. the play isn't necessarily a kind of, like, you. it's not necessarily, you're not necessarily, even though he was great, he was actually amazing in the reading, so mm-hmm. I was really surprised that he seemed so, like, annoyed. Yeah. But um, you're not going to find it in this kind of psychological realism way necessarily right. all the time. Like, sometimes you just have to, like, say the words and... I've never heard that before. <laughs> psychological realism. It never occurred to me that you could be psychologically surreal to well, do things I that are emotionally non-naturalistic. That's I, I think there's a, but I think there's, because I used to be an actor and I think there's a way you learn. It's like, okay, but what's my backstory? What's my motivate? Like, why yeah. am I saying mm-hmm. these things? Mm-hmm. What, what do I want? What is my action? What's my objective here? Um, and I think plays don't, necessarily always lay those out especially if they're more experimental and ex- and also sometimes plays don't even work like that yeah mm-hmm. um so you kind of have to but but also i think that my plays are a little bit tricky because when you read them they seem like they will work like that and then they mm. don't sometimes interesting <laughs> like because people are saying like really weird r- ridiculous things sometimes and yet, um, there's a way in which, I don't know, I think people think my plays are not as experimental as they are until they hear them. Then they're like, this is weird. This play is strange. What huh. What do you think that's about? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, this, I, I don't know if this like directly relates, but I wanted to ask you, um, we brought up your website earlier, but like mm-hmm. you have sort of like a, a traditional bio where it's like, I've worked on this play at this place and whatever, but then you also have this like artist statement um, which like for which I need me, to update actually. Well, <laughs> for me, I don't know. It like I, I sort of wonder like why we don't all do that because like it really gave me what I thought at least was like a pretty uh, at least definitely a, a more clear picture of what you do than like a traditional bio does. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I think I did that because I I don't know how to describe my work and uh-huh. I think I'm constantly trying to figure out how to describe it. So that was like my one attempt at like, well, okay, well, this is my agenda. Because when you fill out all these applications, they yeah. ask mm-hmm. you and you're like, I don't right. know. <laughs> like, um, I always wish also, so badly. My objective is always like, you know, to be successful and do things that are good. I know. It's <laughs> like, what are, you, what are you asking me? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But like for, I also... I'm still figuring out who I am as a playwright because I didn't even think really that I was a particularly experimental playwright until until I got into school. Mm. Uh, and I was surrounded by, and also at, because I went to Brooklyn College and I studied with Mac Wellman, who's like super experimental. Mm-hmm. And all of my classmates were really experimental. So within that group, I was like, I'm not experimental. Oh, I see. And I wasn't even into experimental theater like that. I read just, you know, whatever plays. Um, (laughs) and it wasn't until I don't know it was Mac who was like you know this play is really weird and I was like you've got a lot of nerve saying that to me you have plays where people literally leave the earth and you like go to another planet Uh so I don't know why my plays are so strange but um, but I don't know how to write other kinds of plays like I wish that um I feel like I say this a lot. Like, I wish I could write a really, like, beautiful play, like, really precious play, like, a really earnest play. And I try, and it becomes, like, these satires that are, like, mean and, <laughs> and like, bitchy, even though I'm trying to have it be, like, really sweet and, like, lovely. And I don't know. It's, like, you can only be who you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I try to, to do other things. And um, I can only do it in my way. Yeah. So it's going to, it's going to, like, I, I, don't, I can't write a normal play. Even though I've read many of them, um, I don't know how when I sit down in front of a page to like do that. I, but but you're doing it in the way that you do it. Well, to me, I write regular plays, but <laughs> other people are like, no, they're actually like not. They're they're weird. <laughs> they're not normal plays. So I guess the reason why I brought up the artist statement is because, as you're saying, like people are expecting my plays to be more sort of traditional. And then when we hear them, it turns out that maybe they're not like, do you think, what do you, why do where do you think that expectation comes from? Um, I think that's a complicated question. I think, um, (laughs) (laughs) I, I don't know. Um, I think some of it has to do with the fact that I'm a black woman. And so 
I do feel like there's a little bit of an expectation in terms of subject matter and in terms of how I'm approaching topics and what I'm writing about mm. um, that I don't tend to do. Uh, so there's that. This may be really um, naive. What do you think a black woman is expected to write about? Um, I think black women are expected to be uh, Dominic Morisot, actually, <laughs> <or> like <Katori. laughs> like about black life, mm-hmm. uh, which I do sort of, but um, about black people, uh, sort of stories of empowerment, stories of redemption, stories where it's clear who's good and who's bad, um, reactionary plays. I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, you mm-hmm. know, like plays where people of color are sort of the oppressed, oppressed and they're trying to struggle through their oppression, if you will. Um, strong, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but like, not, I mean, I don't know, not to say that, because I, I do know of some um, black playwrights who are experimental, but they're not, there's not that many, huh. I don't think, who are, who are, getting work if you mm-hmm. <laughs> who are working i interrupted um, you in the middle of answering sam's question did you i think so you uh, were like where did that expectation come from and oh you like, yeah well, i don't oh, know yeah. um I, I don't i'm not sure yeah uh, i have to think about that um well because for i'll like for me like having read your artist statement everything you're saying like makes perfect sense to me you know what i mean yeah, uh, I think that there is an expectation that you're, if you're a person of color, um, you're writing an identity politics play mm-hmm. and you're writing a play about race. Yeah. Uh, and I think that race is a color in a lot of my plays, but um, I tend to be much more, well, I'm going to say much more interested, but I tend to go more towards issues of gender, actually, mm. in my plays. Um, than race mm. like race will sort of be there as a thing but it won't be like the main thing mm-hmm. um, and I sort of pr- approach it in my own way yeah. uh, and um, so f- so I wrote a play called The Johnsons um, when I was still in grad school which I might actually be pr- well, sh- which I am producing in the fall mm. <laughs> at Jack actually um, and it's about a family who loses their house like in a foreclosure, and at the same time, because it's like my first attempt at putting my grandmother in a piece, um, but it didn't quite work, but um, the grandmother of the family like d- like dies in the bathtub or whatever, and so they spend like a lot of the play, because they just leave her body in the tub for like a long time, because oh they're boy. like, we can't afford to bury her, so what should we do? Um, I mean, you never see the body, it's just, they just talk about it a lot, like, what are we gonna do with grandma's <laughs> body? Anyway, um, so there's a theater in Texas that I submitted it to, and they were like, okay, we're going to put it in this reading series. I'm like, great. And I was going to fly out. It was going to be great. And um, they cast it all white. Hmm. And I was sort of mortified. And, um, and I said, well, you know, it's not about black, it's not a black family necessarily, but it's also not necessarily a white family. Um, and I don't really know why. And so I, I was like, could you, can it, can it be mixed? Can you? And they were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> we can't do that. So, so I had, so I flew to Texas and went to this reading um, where it was cast all white, um, and I was sort of mortified because there was like a talk back afterwards, and I felt like, why, you know, in my mind, like, why would I do that? Like, why? Would, like, that doesn't even make any sense. Um, that I, especially since my plays are quite mean, it which just makes it seem like I don't like white people. Also, like, oh, she's making fun of white people or something. Huh. Um, Interesting. Or it's just a head scratcher. Like it made no sense. So then people are like, well, why don't you put that? Why don't you just say what race you want the characters to be in the cast of characters? And I said, no, but the thing is, is like people have a certain idea of what the thing is going to be. If I put, okay, these people are black, um, Mm. which they weren't necessarily in my mind even, um, which I don't want that to taint people's understanding of what the play is it's just about this american family so i feel like i'm grappling with these questions all the time yeah like it's not about a black family and it's it's about a family Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the minute you say black oh oh (laughs) like Mm. okay we know what this is and it's like it's really not that though so i don't know it's tricky yeah (laughs) Yeah. golly yeah i've heard i understand both sides of that of 
about sort of like the push to have it be not about race and therefore explicitly open that it could that part of the point is it could live on as done by different races and different things and the argument that like no matter what race will have some sort of an effect yeah so for sure. even if it's not you know written for this yeah i mean it's something so that writers have to kind of contend with like because it's a visual well theater is like a visual art form so no matter what choices you make it's you're making a statement <laughs> like, even yeah. if you don't want to like with the great novel it's actually a very multicultural cast um but the family is actually white uh that i wrote them as white mm-hmm. and um they have a black maid and and her grandmother comes who's also black uh, and so we're dealing with we're doing whiteface even for the actors who are cast who are white we're doing whiteface huh. um, because I, I just because I, I was like no it needs to be multicultural it's not but it's not about like people of color making fun of white people it's actually not that um, I just want to open it up so everyone is wearing whiteface no, even if you're white huh. <laughs> because these characters are types they're not it's not about them being white necessarily. It's about so them being even Bertha and her people. Even Bertha and her grandmother in whiteface or no? Uh, Bertha is in blackface, okay. and the only person who is not in any kind of makeup is the dead grandmother. Because she's dead. Because she's dead. <laughs> uh, and at a certain point, Bertha th- like she takes off the blackface, so you see like her actual complexion. Um, but yeah, none of yeah. Even I have to admit, because that's a play that we that I mean, brought into page seventy three writers group. So like, I got to like read it a couple times, and even though it probably almost definitely was even in like the notes at the beginning or the stage directions, all the times we were reading it and talking about it, I wasn't really thinking about the white face black face element and like how that affects I know. everything I else. Deal with it now. I know. It could be a nightmare, but we'll see. We'll see. So shifting gears a little bit, because you mentioned something you're producing in the fall, you do a lot of producing stuff on your own, and I feel like you have probably learned good, well, I know you have learned, because you've told me about them, like, sort of tricks of the trade through that. I don't know if I have any, a lot of tricks of the trade, Uh, and I actually wasn't going to produce this year, because I thought, no, I'm too busy, it's too expensive, I don't want to do it, but then... um, I was given sort of a grant a little Mm. bit. I was given some money Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. kind of do it and some dates. So I was like, well, I guess I'll do it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was kind of pushed into doing it. But um, I think, I mean, the hardest part is, well, they're all of it's hard. I don't even know what to say. Like (laughs) fundraising sucks. Um, I hate it. Uh, The best luck I've had is emailing people directly and asking Mm. for money. That is so scary. Um, It sucks. Uh, But people give it to you sometimes (laughs) um but I don't know a lot of people who have a lot of money so that's you know so it's like very limited how much money one can make um I hate crowdfunding just because I feel like for theater it's like counterproductive because you have all of your friends or and acquaintances who want to like help um throw in 20 bucks which is great even though you're trying to raise 8,000 or something (laughs) so it's like by the end of it you've got like 2000 since everyone's put in there. So you're still like short. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, usually that includes like the perk of like, you get a ticket to the show or whatever. whatever. (laughs) Like a piece of Mm -hmm. art, a pen or something, whatever. Mm -hmm. And all of that business of like the perks. But then also I always feel a certain kind of way about like having people give me 20 bucks when they were probably going to pay 20 bucks to see the show. So it's really 40 bucks. And I'm like, nobody has 40 bucks. And then also you end up just giving it back to them or something like when they're doing crowdfunding for their show. So Uh it's just like, where's, there's no (laughs) new money coming in. It's all sort of this. It's just circulating. It's just circulating. I can't tell if I find that sort of lovely or sad. It's both of those things. We're just giving all treat, like passing our money in a circle to do art. It's like a, it's like a rent party. It's like a (laughs) (laughs) it's it's my month yeah it's just yeah it's both it's beautiful and it's sad um and it's not i i've and also i don't have i usually produce by myself so it's not like i have a producing team Mm. that would help me um and i never like to ask the actors or anybody involved in the show to like help me fundraise it just feels like i don't know yeah (laughs) like try to keep it classy so i don't (laughs) i don't push it um so i always end up using my own money um, 
which sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like figuring out how much to pay people mm-hmm. sucks. Figuring out what's fair sucks. Or I mean, it's never fair, but like figuring out what you can live with and be able to sleep at night. Um, so the biggest thing that I've figured out is like figuring out ways to get free rehearsal space. Mm. That's like the hugest expense beyond after like artist fees is like rehearsal space is it's impossible. Yeah. It's so expensive. So the last show I did, I was able to finagle it where I had, I didn't have to pay for rehearsal space nice. um, because I had, it's a little bit of a long story, but, <laughs> but, and then the first show I produced, I didn't have to pay for rehearsal space. The one time I did have to pay for rehearsal space, nightmare, so expensive. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and it's always like a little bit more expensive than you think it's gonna be, and there's always something. Um, and then it's so hard to not bring the stress of how much it is into like any of your actual. Oh my gosh! Being like in the if room. You, yeah, mm. like if you're paying for rehearsal space and then you go to, to just check out rehearsal. And people aren't like doing stuff. You just want to like kill somebody. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing like this is twenty five dollars an hour. Like what's happening? Somebody's late. Oh my god. Yeah, like, I've 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 rehearsed in some like random places because it, because this is so real. Like I remember for one play we rehearsed in a conference room in a hospital. Whoa. <laughs> because someone had a connection there, and we yeah. were able to get into this conference room. That sounds so familiar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's yeah. so bizarre. Yeah. Um, Does that feel weird? Yeah, but, well, it was my first year in the city, so I was like, this is what it is, <laughs> you know? like. And, like, yeah, it's hard. And then also because it's an equity showcase, you're dealing with mm-hmm. people's schedules because yeah. they're still working. And it's just, you know, it's like herding cats, really. Yeah. And finding people who are willing to do it and being brave enough to ask really sort of established people to like do s- your little show for like $400 or something like that. <laughs> you know, like, Oh, I'm a, I've, I design on Broadway, but here, but yeah, I'll do this little whatever show at Jack for 400 bucks or, um, but that must like figuring out how that. much money to like pay people yeah. or like even how much money to put aside for the set. And I don't know. Right. I feel like the yeah. flip side of that though, is that it's like in a way, you know, that the people who are doing it are there because they want to be doing it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like you have to sort of weigh the pluses and minuses. It's like, okay, you're not getting paid that much, but we're accommodating your work schedule. And it's like at a theater that people go to, and you will get reviewed. And, you know, presumably, this is not the last show of my career. So, like, <laughs> I would work with you again or give you a good recommendation. And, yeah. and it's a good part for you. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just sort of recategorize it in my head. I think, you know, for earlier, I was more stressed out about the idea of spending my own money on a show, you know, is cheating somehow. Like it's if someone else hasn't given me all the money, I didn't prove myself enough. But I feel like now I think of it more like even more than I like to buy myself like a really pretty dress or a really nice meal. I love to buy myself, you know, like a demo or like a reading is like the best treat. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-huh. Well, to, uh, yeah, I mean, I it, I totally see this. I mean, I definitely have mixed feelings about producing myself. Uh, the, re- the, the, fir- the reason why I did it the first time is because nobody was producing me, really. Like, I'd had a little bit, but not a lot. There were no takers. I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anything. Um, and Mac was pretty big on producing your own stuff. Uh and I think that after a while, it's really hard to grow um, as a playwright if you can't see what the deal is mm-hmm. in 3D. Yeah. Um, it's just sort of this really absorbing hobby that's almost like doodling or something. <laughs> like it's just like, what, you know, or you're seeing readings, um, but who knows? Um, so there was a kind of, well, I can't, I'm tired of waiting for people to like pick me. Um, which you can wait your whole life yeah. for that because uh, I was and I really just wanted to see what what it would be to, to sort of okay this is what I wrote and this is these are the choices that were made based on what I wrote this is very informative yeah. <laughs> um, for me like oh the actors are moving in space and there's blocking and it's it's all come together like I'm so interested in design and music and di- and like movement and blocking and all of this and like how it all functions yeah based on the blueprint that like a playwright writes yeah um 
and now I feel like I have a better understanding of like the three D ness of theater, just yeah. sort of seeing or like how my plays work in space, just yeah. because I made that happen. <laughs> like because yeah. I was I you know I had no idea. And also what, like talking about like waiting for someone to pick you, like it's so much easier for someone to pick you if they can already see what something you've made looks like in 3D. Yeah, you know, true. which is like an awful yeah it's true but I, but I mean too, I definitely you know have you know I still I, I mean I definitely kind of resent a little bit that <laughs> you know that I've produced so much and like some people have you know oh this like they just never had to produce it all it's just like right. oh yeah I'm just I have a show opening at you know off Broadway no big deal yeah yeah I'm still in college I don't know we're all on our own path we're all on our own yeah it's true <laughs> Uh, yeah, I try to uh, not like, not fall down that rabbit hole yeah. as much. I mean, I definitely have been in that hole a lot. Uh, developing outside interest helps. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are your go-to outside interests? Well, lately, um, I've been really into running because I joined a runners group that meets twice a week at Prospect oh. Park. Ooh, which is it's like. The reason why I like it is it's like so different from anything that I do. Um, <laughs> it has nothing to do with theater or teaching. It's like this. Everybody in the group is. It's they're so random. They're not. Like, <laughs> they're just like into running. Um, so I've been doing that, which has been good. I do not think I will ever be into running. It sounds both like a lot I don't of know hard if I'm work and like into I it, but I'm. I feel like it's good for me. So yeah. <laughs> I'm not good. Uh, I'm I'm the slowest one there, um, but it's okay. But that's not what it's about. Yeah, I'm also like low key. I've been like looking at um surfing clinics this summer. <gasps> to learn how to surf. Where? They do them in the Rockaways. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. <laughs> They're a little bit expensive, but but if you're like with a group, it's cheaper. Uh huh. Because it's something I've always wanted to do. So I've yeah. been trying to like cultivate a life outside of theater and yeah. like, you know, cooking dinner, <laughs> you know, and, <laughs> and yeah. eating at home and like not having it be. Yeah. Cause like, it's so weird. The life we live in New York, like yeah. normal people outside of New York, like cook dinner and <laughs> every night. <laughs> and well, it's like a treat to like go out to eat. Right. <laughs> yeah. As opposed right. to us where we're like so spoiled. Like, yeah. What should we order? <laughs> where should we go? Yeah. But just having those things to like be a part of your day, just like lets you, not go down that rabbit hole you know what I mean like you don't have time to go down that yeah. rabbit hole well it's funny because my I had I think I've been trying to find sort of my new kind of regular thing or like my new schedule because I did have a schedule for a long time because I had a dog but my dog mm. died almost a year ago oh. and my dog was a huge schedule maker yeah I had to walk him and so that was the way that I yeah and you can you your attention goes there instead yeah. of to these thoughts that we are like why are, are they trying not to have oh my gosh <laughs> yeah get me off of facebook where yeah. people are making their announcements like yeah. every 20 minutes because <laughs> everybody's day is a 10 on facebook yeah that's well so this is a thing <laughs> this is a thing that I, I we spend so much time on this podcast talking about social media we do but like <laughs> I, for me i think i posted this to my facebook recently was like when I'm having the, like they always say like, don't compare yourself to people on Facebook because they're posting their highlights reel and you're comparing your like bloopers to their highlights reel, right? But like whenever I'm in those moments that like are theoretically my highlights reel, I'm not posting on Facebook because I'm just trying to like enjoy those moments, mm. you know? So now, so so I assume that people aren't, I assume that people aren't posting their highlights reel because when they're in their highlights reel, they're not posting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I feel like, but maybe I'm just crazy. So when I see these people posting these amazing announcements and I'm like, and that's not even their highlights reel. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I know it's crazy making. Yeah. It's Um, crazy making. But I don't know. Like I've been thinking a lot about sort of this question of like what it means to be normal. I mean, I get everyone's normal, but like, (laughs) Like, I literally don't understand how people, like, how moms, like, cook dinner seven days a week for, like, mm. several people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how do you do that? Like, I, I'm like, I don't even, I haven't even developed that skill where, like, <laughs> I can barely cook for myself, let alone my boyfriend, um, let alone two or three times a week. 
uh, after that, I'm like tapped out. I'm like, oh my God, like there's more of the week to go. <sighs> Am I supposed to cook? Like it feels yeah. like. <laughs> Wait, so when you say normal, you're talking about that sort of like 1950s, like We're not 1950s. Like... I mean, he could cook too if he did cook, but I'm just <laughs> saying like the kind of ritual schedule of mm-hmm. one's day, like, oh, uh-huh. we have breakfast. Yeah. Oh, um, because I don't, I don't have like a nine to five job. Right. Also, right. so my schedule is a little bit all over the place. But like, I think, I think that's true for most people, like in our industry, like yeah. that schedule doesn't exist, and so those things that are the like um, benchmarks of a day y- y- are shifting day to day because yeah. because on any given day you might get a call saying like, hey, we have this opportunity for you. Can you like? clear the next two weeks of your life and you have to be like yes Yes. (laughs) you know done i know or like people or just even going on vacation yeah it's like a weird thing for me because i'm like who does that but people do that (laughs) yeah (laughs) no so i'm going on a vacation next month and it's uh, in my head i'm like but i'm leaving the city and what if you know i get a call and what if something happens yeah (laughs) and like i'm i'm having i'm in this moment where i'm having to realize that like other aspects of my life are worth prioritizing too. No, it's you know? true. Um, and I'm still negotiating how, what that looks like and how to do it. No, in my, a way it yeah. like belies a sense of optimism. Cause I have that too, that, you know, any given, you know, the two days that I'm out of town, something like great could happen. For me, it's, for <laughs> me, it's the opposite. For me, it's like, nothing is fucking happening right now. And of course the week that I'm gone, five things are going to spring up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like, it's like I'm operating from this place of like I'm feeling uh, uh, lack and um, I just know that if I go, those things are going to come and I'm going to still feel that lack. But it's still one step above like it doesn't matter where I go or what I do because <laughs> that's nothing true. is coming. That's, that's true. That's, that's true. There is a kernel, I guess. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, it's just like figuring out like not even like how to turn it off like or, mm-hmm. or how to sort of step out of this kind of not business but I don't know theater is so absorbing it's so yeah. all-encompassing it's like all I think about in a strange yeah. way it um, can take up all of the attention yeah especially when you're um like you know my case is different but like especially <laughs> when you're kind of still trying to like break through in some way um I feel like I spend so much time like thinking about what I'm writing next, mm-hmm. even though no one's asking me. I mean, mm. now people are showing to us, but like in general, I don't have, you know, it's like you just have to keep churning out work and creating stuff and like finding ways to be inspired and everything's sort of funneled into this passion that is theater. And it might, like my therapist was like, why don't you like get your nails done? Why don't you go get a pedicure? And I was like horrified at the yeah. thought. I was like, who does that? Yeah. But, like people do that. <laughs> <laughs> they go yeah. and they relax and they get massages and they just kind of do nothing and they flip through a magazine. And I feel like I used to do those kinds of things. And now I'm like, it just seems like a waste of time. When uh-huh. when did that, when do you think that changed? I don't know. In the past few years. Yeah. Um, huh. Well, because there's something about, because I feel similarly that like I'm waiting for that moment of like breakthrough. And yeah. like there's something about doing these like quote unquote frivolous things like getting your nails done or something that like feels like why am I wasting my time doing that when I when like everything is telling me that I have to keep working until I hit that breakthrough you know what I mean like it feels like we're conditioned that like you just have to put in all of that work and it'll happen and so like anything that isn't you know on that in that direction feels like you're not supposed to and you should have guilt for like not being yeah I mean I am a bit of a workaholic but I I really admire people who like just go to the park just to like go it's like what are you doing there nothing just you know yeah what because it (laughs) is it is like like that it's it it can lead to burnout if you don't like take that time to just like relax relax or like um you know going out to dinner maybe by yourself for like lunch or something oh, i love going out to dinner by myself i do that all the time yeah i never do that um like maybe all the time is an overstatement but i love but like it. i was like i could i could like go get, take myself to lunch and yeah. like i could go to the movies and i could you know yeah do that. but i mean but I'm there's something it, about so. it that like there's something about the industry that like almost tells you you should feel guilty for doing those things right like or, or maybe yeah. that's just been my experience and other people aren't having yeah, for that. For what it's worth, I don't feel that. Yeah. Okay. But maybe that just means I'm less of a workaholic <laughs> than you guys. <laughs> 
or maybe I'm just like a paranoid. I've, I've been thinking a lot about paranoia lately. Oh, so, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> In what context? Well, you, we were talking about Under the Silver Lake. Yes. Just like, Did you see this movie? No. It's, it's a movie about It's a good movie, actually, paranoia. in the genre of not feeling obliged to answer all the questions the viewers may have. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. You know what movie I just saw uh, was, um, oh gosh, what was it called? It was with Donald Sutherland and Julie, Julie Christie. I don't want to give it away, but basically they lose their daughter to like a drowning accident and... Um, the whole movie is it's sort of a horror movie but basically they're kind of in mourning and they're in Italy and they all of these weird things start happening and there are like these premonitions and uh Julie Christie the the wife is like uh kind of believes them and the and the and Donald Sutherland's character is like no but actually he has second sight too he's been he's he's been like seeing visions and has a premonition of something and then at the end you find out what the premonition is and you're like wow who crazy oh. <laughs> crazy pants wow <laughs> that's really cool so you do sometimes watch a movie <laughs> no i've been i've been working on it i've been working yeah. on it. i've been watching movies although um i'm pretty deep in my <laughs> intervention of ad- addiction right now uh-huh. so i just watch like <laughs> episodes of intervention a lot because I think just got Hulu, so I'm like, Ooh. oh my God, um, look at all these, all these seasons of intervention. Yeah. Will that show up in any plays? Probably. Um, <laughs> well, the thing is, is about intervention that I love. Well, maybe I love it. But I also love, like, crappy, like, true crime shows where you just, people are just being awful to each other and, like, people's bodies are cut up and found, like, in various places of the state and whatever. But so, you know, I watch those to relax. But, like, but... um. No, what I love about it is like they're basically family dramas, like these episodes, because mm-hmm. you so often the 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 person the addict has had some sexual abuse, not necessarily from a family member, but still, and then when at the intervention when the the families read all their letters, I've like cried. I've been like, oh my god, like you see these fathers like get really emotional, and you know, and sometimes the intervention like doesn't take, and so huh. right. Most of the time it does, but then it's like just enough for you to be like, are they gonna, are they gonna take the help that is being offered, the, the gift that is being offered to them today? <laughs> <laughs> and some of them are such train wrecks where you're just like, oh my god, like how can they be living these lives? And also allow themselves to be filmed, and then you see them at the end where they've been sober for three months and they look like completely different. They've put on twenty pounds. Wow. They look, they look clear. It's just yeah. like fascinating. Yeah. Those are real people who are not boring. Yeah, they're living that life that's not boring. But even that's boring, I feel like. You're seeing like the real, the highlight real, because it's like mm. something amazing is about to happen. Their family is staging this intervention um, and what's leading up to it. So yeah, you're not seeing the sort of endless boring mm. life that is being a drug addict searching for money <laughs> to feed your crack addiction. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, no, that's so... I watch movies and I watch Intervention <laughs> and Tiny House Hunters because I low-key want to buy a tiny house. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. But it's not a thing in New York. Hmm. All oh, New York yeah, houses are tiny not. houses. <laughs> right? I know. But, like, it's kind of a thing in, like, L.A. Hmm. and Oregon. Yeah. Do you think about L.A.? Do you think you're in New York for good or might you? Um, I think my boyfriend would be delighted if I was like, let's move to L.A. I don't really like to drive. Um, and actually, the first time I spent any length of time in L.A. was very recently. Um, I would do it. I love Brooklyn. Um, I just love New York so much. Like, Same. I don't. So I would go there for a job. But I wouldn't be like, let's just move to the West Coast. Like, if I got a job in TV that put me in LA then I would do it for work because um, I think like about it. TV is that something that like um, you would more like to be part of I think so just because um, I would love to have all of my income come from writing mm-hmm. um, even though I love and thinking teaching. about it though like think when we were talking about like naturalism versus like surrealism and experimental shows and stuff like that like is there a corner of TV that you feel like oh yeah that's like my style no no <laughs> 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 but I do think that uh, from what I'm understanding, TV writing is a little bit paint by numbers. It's a little huh. bit being in a room and like talking about ideas. And I think like on a certain level, if you're a good writer, mm-hmm. you should be able to write 
do you know like you should be able to yeah. put to, like I know how to put together like a scene of conflict you know? uh-huh. <laughs> so I think that I would be okay but I don't know that there's a show that's like oh yeah that's my show I mean beyond law and order SVU which I you know I watch one every single night <laughs> it's my bedtime show it's, it's so good Mariska. Um, well, there is, yeah. I mean, there's also something to be said about like certain um, things belonging on TV and certain things belonging in the theater, you yeah. know? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I'm actually naturally a TV writer. I think some playwrights are more so. Not that they're not good playwrights, but I just think that their voice would fit. So I don't know. Uh, I definitely would be willing to give it a go, see what happened. Um, I mean, ideally, because I, w- I probably wouldn't want to move to L.A. forever because I just can't, like I love New York. So I'd be ha- happy with like going to L.A. for like a few months out of the year type of thing and then coming back or finding a show in New York. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and there's someone was just. Oh, our other yeah. guest was saying that Netflix is building this giant studio in Brooklyn. Um, and so like theoretically, more shows are going to be filming here. Do you want to write for TV? I mean, oh no, but you to, you write yeah. music. I was thinking. I was thinking, I, what I was going to say first is like, does Gordon do? Oh the yeah, books? Gordon does all the book. Okay. I mean, there are some TV shows that are musicals, and I have thought about it like covetously, in a way, <laughs> just because it's so. It's such a mark of like success, and so many people see it, and it's so cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I've yet. seen seen a tv musical that feels like the style of things i write Mm -hmm. and i worry because i actually before i was doing musical theater what i thought i really wanted to do was film scoring and that's what i did all through college and a little bit you know in the couple years when i came here and i got a little bit burnt out on having to sort of so strongly plug into an existing vision Mm-hmm. I sort of, I feel like when you're writing your musical, you can just sort of make it exactly how you want. Yeah. And I worry that doing any sort of music in the TV world, I would run up against that. Yeah. I, I think I worry about that too. Um, as a, cause I don't want to be a showrunner. Mm-hmm. So like I'm a lazy, <laughs> teasy. I, I just want to like be a writer for hire, like in the writer's room for like a minute. Like I don't have any desire to like, you know, I, I don't have an idea. Um, and the one pilot I wrote was like, it was like painful because I mean, I did it really fast, but um, <laughs> but it's just not like comfortable for me. <laughs> like, I don't have that kind of those kinds of ideas where it's like, oh, I want to be with these characters for like a really long time. And I want to tell other people and then I want yeah, to hand way, it over I to mean... other people and have them talk about these characters. And then we're all going to like talk about this. Ca- like, yeah. In a way, I mean, TV is like the most like these two people will just chat for hours. That's true. Um, but they're like not my people, mm. you know, mm. they would be someone else's people, which is fine. But like. Oh, no. Or, or actually, let me reverse that. So if I make characters, then I, I'm in some ways, I'm too much of a control freak to be mm-hmm. a showrunner because I would not want like a room filled with people being like, let's come up with ideas for these characters. I feel like in my mind, even though I would try to be really collaborative, I'd be like, but they're mine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't like your idea. I only like my ideas <laughs> for these characters. Because they're my characters, because it's my like I don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. I just think I don't know how people do that. Where it's like I've created this world, and now you guys can like make them live in it. Like I don't understand how one does that. Yeah. Although it sounds like it. you're okay with being sort of hands off in some cases when your stuff is produced. Well, that's different because you're not. It's not like you're like theater. So it's not like in theater you're in the rehearsal room and people are like, can we just like cut this whole scene (laughs) Um, or do we need this character or I think this should happen which is you know that's what TV is Um, I'm super collaborative in the theater sense like and I try I actually try to be really hands-off and I'm not particularly well I am and I am I'm not like I'm precious until I'm not like I'm very willing to sort of change something Um, because I can hear if something is like not working Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, but that's totally different from like having a room full of writers all trying to P 
pee and pee in corners and be like, no, but yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All writers are different. We all have our own way of like telling stories and doing yeah. things. And I'm, you know, so I think, yeah. So I think if it was someone else's vision, I'd be more than happy to kind of like, <laughs> but to have it be my thing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I get that. At all. Like if it's something that I feel ownership uh, over, I have a hard time like relinquishing that ownership. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess you or just even having other people write the words that the characters that you create, having it come out of their mouths feel it's like a weird thing. It's yeah. like, but I didn't write that, but I created these characters, but those are, but they're saying things that I didn't write for them to say. Yeah. So that's strange. Yeah. It is strange. But you got to do it. I don't know. <laughs> Or you just got to not be the showrunner. Right. (laughs) That's all, Rob.